Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode of Stabby Snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. It's your ghoul friend, Jessica, and I am joined by the lovely Tara. Hey, Spooksters. This week, we're going to do a dive into a case, a missing slash murder case on the East Coast. Yes, shocker. Jessica isn't doing a case in Sacramento. What? (laughs) Even though there is a case right now in Sacramento that's really freaking interesting. She almost did, guys, but (laughs) things changed. I was like, Tara, there's this case. It's in Sacramento. She's like, you need to stop (laughs) or move like one of the two. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be talking about a case that actually had a huge update today or in this week. So it's the Jennifer Dulles case. I think I'm saying her last name right. It's either Dulles or Dulas. We're going to go Dulas because... Jennifer Dulas is a 50-year-old mother of five from New Canaan, Connecticut, which, according to Nancy Grace, is where the rich people of New York go to live. Okay. I enjoyed her video on this because she wasn't like, he did it. She was very like, this evidence is big. So I was appreciative of her. Oh, that's good. It's in the sources page, guys. So on Friday, May 24th, 2019, Jennifer Dulas took her kids to school And then returned home about 8.05 in the morning and was never seen from again. They think she was abducted or taken between 8.05 and 10.25 a.m. And later that day, her vehicle, which was a 2017 black Chevy Suburban, was found on Laugham Road in Waveney Park in New Cannon. But she wasn't in it. She was reported missing by one of her friends on May 24th because she missed an appointment that she was supposed to have. And so her friend tried to contact her and couldn't and then reported her missing. So that's a good friend. Yeah, for sure. It's a very, very good friend. Because a lot of people would be like, meh. They dug into her personal life and they found out that Jennifer was in a very contentious divorce with her estranged husband, Fontis. Dulles. This case gets really kind of, I don't know, finger pointy in a very easy direction. So they had split up in 2017. Like I said, it was a very contentious divorce. And Jennifer had said on multiple occasions throughout the divorce proceedings that she was actually afraid of her husband because he would threaten 
her with bodily harm or like threaten her physically or stalk her or assault her. And she was afraid of this. In fact, she even filed an emergency sole custody of her kids, which she kind of originally lost, but then it was awarded to her because of his behavior. So in January of 2018, Fontes, who's the father and her ex-husband, lost custody and couldn't actually have like a no contact order with his kids. And that continued on pretty much throughout this process. Now, Fontes did move on in his relationships. He got a girlfriend by the name of Michelle Traconis. She was 44 years old and he was 55. So there was like an age gap. So, you know, new relationship, new young thing. As the story goes. Yes, as the story goes. They start searching for her, obviously, right away on May 24th because her car is in a place it's not supposed to be. No one can get a hold of her. On May 25th, they they start doing a detailed search of the home and they come across a place in the garage where they find both blood splatter and like blood stains. So like pools of blood and then stains. And it looked like the attempt to clean up said blood and stains. Mm. Yes, I I see you with that look. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, man. On the 28th of May. So this is four days after the kid's mother is missing. Fotis, I believe that's how you say it is. Fotis seeks custody of his kids. But Jennifer's mom had them with her in New York City. So he I think he had like visitations at that point but not like full custody because Jennifer had it. So he was petitioning the court to get his kids from the mother-in-law when Jennifer is supposedly just missing. Also, I'm going to put this in at this point because this is something that several articles and videos alluded to, but they never said like the timeline this accusation came out because they were going through such a a big divorce and Fautis was like, millions of dollars in debt. He owed his mother-in-law like $2 million and had like all of the credit cards maxed out. (laughs) Oh my God. The theory is, is that he killed her to like get at the kid's trust funds. Mm. But also that his way of kind of being like, no, was to kind of leak at some point that this was more of like a gone girl situation so that she could come out seeing that he was like, or he was trying to make her out to be a monster that she's trying to peg him for this when it's really not like none of this is true. It's all fabricated. Gotcha. The police didn't think so much. Well, that's good. On May 29th of 2019, the police began to really search the park where her car was found. And this is also where a local news channel dug into her past and found the divorce papers, which outlined the fact that Fautis was very abusive throughout their relationship and that she was scared of him, even at some points in times. Like one of the reasons he did lose custody of his kids is because they couldn't trust him not to try to convince his kids to lie on his behalf. And kids want to make their parents happy and they love, obviously, they probably love their father. And so they probably want to lie for him. I don't know if this is a Riverdale situation, though I will say that he kind of does look like Mark Consuelos. Is that his name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the real name. I don't know. Someone's going to at me and be like, that's wrong. <laughs> um, it's Kelly Ripa's husband. He's handsome. This guy kind of looks like him a little bit, like just saying. And I was like, ooh, this ty- this storyline is very 
like Hiram Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I just know him as Hiram. <laughs> yeah. Back to what I was saying. On the 29th of May, they find out this and obviously they leak it because they're like, uh, a strange husband apparently the wife is afraid of. And I think this is also probably around the time where they think of the lie of the gone girl situation. On May 30th, which is only six days after she's gone missing, they start considering the case a homicide because the amount of blood evidence that they found that they basically said that if she hadn't like sought medical attention right away, she would have died. Mm. Yeah. And also that day they hold a prayer vigil. On June 1st of 2019, Fatis and Michelle were both arrested and charged with tampering with or fabricating physical evidence and hindering the prosecution. Of course, they pled guilty and they were released a few days later. I believe that was on the 11th of June they were released. During that time, the police start looking in a town called Hartford, which I, I think a lot of people might know. It's, it's I think it's a famous town. I've heard of Hartford, Connecticut. I don't know why I've heard of it before this, but what, why, why are you looking? Have you watched Gilmore Girls? Oh my gosh, is that where it's at? Stars Hollow is like right next to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched Gilmore Girls since I was like in high school. So. I'm re-watching it thanks to Elisa because she re-watched it a while ago and was talking all about it on Twitter or something. So that's like my go to sleep happy show when I need a palate cleanser for my mind. Ah, <laughs> Shout out to our friend at Best Forever's podcast. And Fatalities. Yes. And fatalities. Yes, yes. Side note, my go-to fall asleep is Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Still, because I love it. So back to Hartford. They start looking at several streets for evidence, specifically in dumpsters, because surveillance f- videos <laughs> pop up and they show someone matching Fautis's build, dumping stuff off in the trash in these dumpsters. These like black bags or like trash bag type things. And the vehicle that they're in, there's a woman in the front seat and she looks just like Michelle. So it's like, okay. Also, later they find evidence from those trash cans or dumpsters that have all three's DNA on it. All three. Michelle, Fautis, and Jennifer's DNA all in there. There were like zip ties and sponges and t-shirts. And I'm like, someone like you was seen (laughs) by these places and then later they find evidence that links the three of you but you didn't do it no of course not it's just a weird coincidence you's not guilty i gets it Ugh. on june 4th of that year they began looking through the the hartford landfill because at this point they're looking for human remains to see if she's in there also around this time, they've started collecting tips. At the end, I get I think they get like 900 tips. Wow. On this case, which is a lot mm-hmm. for like a short like a short period of time and about 80 surveillance videos because they asked for surveillance videos, which also saw a, a gentleman or a person about Fautis's build ride a vintage bicycle up to Jennifer's house. A vintage bicycle? Yeah, I, that was like that screams rich person. Right. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you go buy one at Walmart? Right. I think that's where Lorelai's, sorry, it's bugging me. I think that's where Lorelai's parents lived is they lived in Hartford. And that's where like the Chilton Rory school. I think that's where all the, ri- that makes sense that it, in real life, it's a rich community. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. Connecticut is a rich state. I know that. No, like, shame to that. If you live in Connecticut, invite us over. <laughs> We'd love to come see your the beautiful area. I hear Connecticut is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So because of this, they are able to, like, get search warrants and stuff like that. On June 11th, Michelle and Fautis go to appear before court, and Michelle gets out on bond. They obviously both plead not guilty. Fautis has a $500,000 bond, which is interesting because they have the same charges, and he has a, a lot less bond, or a lot more bond, I should say. And his lawyer is like, this is ridiculous. Why would you put such a... He's never had a previous case in his life. Why would you? I'm like, hmm. It's because the courts know he's shady as hell. Mm-hmm. Also, this is the day that they kind of announced that they found Jennifer and Fautis's blood in the sink together. Mm. Okay. So not only are you linked to a outward crime scene or a disposal, but also at possibly the crime scene, your DNA is found. Yeah. He is released, but he's not allowed to go to his home. He's not allowed to do any of that because it's like active like investigation. There's, you know, they're searching it. And boy can't stay away and jogs by his house and gets picked up for probation on the 12th, which is the next flipping day. Dumbass. So on the 24th of June is when the family officially comes out and says, this cannot be a gone girl situation. Jennifer loves her family. She would never leave her children under t- like just never up and just leave her children to despite her husband. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are whatever. Now, I have to talk about Fautis's attorney because my note says he seems like a real douche. <laughs> it's literally what I wrote, because if you watch any of the videos, he's that guy like all the videos now, because when I get to it, you'll understand. He seems like everything's a game. He's like, yeah, now they up the charges and we're re- we're really we're looking forward to winning this case. It's really great. Like, we're glad we told him to bring it and they did. So we're ready. And I'm like, oh, a woman is presumably dead. You asshole. Like at this point, his lawyer should be like, he wants the safe return of his the mother of his children. You know, he's cooperating with police like that's not what's being said, because that's what you really want. Like, no, this dude is just like, hmm, hmm. Literally, you guys should see this guy. We're ready to go to court. We're great. We're going to beat this. Like, this isn't like a trumped up drug charge. How fucking disgusting. Just I'm going to come back down from my before I put on my rant pants. (laughs) It's okay. In fact, he has said in several ways, it seems to be implausible, not impossible, implausible for Fautis Dolis to kill her. The alibi is enormous. We are anxious to meet these accusations and clear his name. We're going to talk about his alibi in a bit, though, because his alibi got arrested, too. Mm. Details, details. Yes. So finally, Fautis has not made any kind of sweeping statement to the public, anything like that. And finally, in July, he comes out and says, you know, my kids are the number one thing important, both to Jennifer and I, and we're going to stay positive for the kids. Like that kind of a statement, you know? And he also had to throw in there, I know how the public perceives me, that I'm a monster. It's like, yeah, because people are accusing you of killing your wife. I mean, estranged or not. In fact, Thomas came in earlier and I was like, if our marriage ever falls apart, which we know it won't because we love each other and plan to be together forever. But I was like, and we have kids and like you want out of the marriage. Please don't murder me. Simple request. (laughs) Yeah, just a simple. And he's like, uh, he's like, okay. (laughs) And he like paused and I was like, what? You can't make that promise. He's like, I can make that promise. But I'm wondering why, like, this is in your mind. Because he like walked into my office and I attacked him with that. I was like, because these are like three cases where it's like, 
we did the Chris Watts case, we did Kelsey's case, and now we're doing Jennifer's case. And I'm like, why? Divorce people. It may cost some money, but you won't serve a life sentence. Facts. Yes. So anyways, back to July. I apologize. (laughs) On July 24th, Flautus and his pompous lawyer make a motion to have all the charges dropped. Fuck off. Oh, my God. All of the tampering with evidence, hindering prosecution, all of that, you know, just bye bye. On the 31st of July is where they actually find like the bloody T-shirt that was hers in the trash can. And this is also where there's like more DNA than just Jennifer's. Flash forward to September 4th of 2019. Fautis and Michelle are again arrested with an extra charge of tampering with evidence. Because of this, they like start talking about a gag order, which goes into place in November. The gag order is put in because he's dealing with all of this and he's got multiple charges, but also because he is going to court on December 3rd because his mother-in-law is like, I gave you $2 million. Fucking give it back because that's what you do when someone lends you money. I don't know the outcome of that. I just think it's shady that like you borrowed money from your ex-mother-in-law or your mother-in-law and then you didn't pay it back. That's why they say when you lend money, don't expect it back. Right. On 12-12 of 2019, Norm, good old Norm, his attorney, argues that the gag order should be removed so that um, his client can basically dispute the bad things that people are saying about him. And they're like, no. Also in December, big month of December for this, because on December 26th, he also petitions the court to have his divorce dropped. Like their whole theory is that she's not dead. She's out somewhere else, just not participating with her life. But you drop the divorce and say, I'll just get my kids back, my custody back of my kids through juvenile court. I'm like, uh, dude, if you are guilty, if you are, it's like, It's like Simon says, if you're guilty, do these things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that's super shady and suspicious to me. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to this week. On January 7th of this year of 2020. Well, this week for me, it's the last week for you guys who are listening to this. So on January 7th, 2020, he is again taken back into custody. But this time he is charged with capital murder, murder and kidnapping. Damn. I want to point this out. This is the third arrest. Mm-hmm. Uno, dos, tres. Michelle is also brought back in with charges of conspiracy to commit murder. Then there's this other guy named Kent Mawinney. Kent Mawinney is an attorney who is actually Fautis's personal attorney. Of course he is. He's also a personal friend and his alibi. Because he made appointments with him during those particular times. Okay. Uh-huh. He is also being charged with the conspiracy to commit murder because they're saying that on some property that two different sources reported it differently. So I'm going to say it both ways because I want to put both of the facts out there. Okay. One of them said that he owned the property and some other said that it was like property he had access to as like a member only situation. Okay. Either way, he had access to it. Got you. Yeah. Where they found a six foot hole that was dug prior to May 24th. Oh. Yeah. So he got arrested. Good. Now that brings us to today, January 9th. I have never seen a court system. I don't know what you're doing, Connecticut. I got to at the state of Connecticut in your legal system right now because 
I have seen people who are spousal abusers. I have seen people who are child molesters. I've seen people who are murderers get no bail because they don't have the ability. Like, they're like, no, you're staying the frickin' jail. He had a $6 million bail and he complained and whined because that's a lot of money. And I need to look up how much money you actually have to put down for the bail. Think you have to put down like 10%? Yeah, I think it's 10%. That's still a lot of money. <laughs> and this guy is millions of dollars in debt. Um, so as of 1 p.m. today, he was released on bail. Oh, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Is it 10%? Bail bonds over $500 follow the traditional cost structure where we see the other states, which is 10% of the bond amount. This applies to bonds 500 to $5,000 in value. If the bail bond is higher than $5,000, then the cost of bail comes down to 7%. 7%. That's $420,000. And they're all rich as fuck. They can hand out loans of $2 million, so... Oh, no, no. That's his mother-in-law. I don't think she's paying to get his ass out of jail. <laughs> he owes like $4 million in debt, other than credit card debt. I'm not saying she's going to, thank God, no. I'm just saying, if he somehow... Like, obviously, he runs in circles with wealthy people. That just makes me mad that they put any kind of bond where it's obtainable. I'm not saying anybody's going to get him out. That just makes me angry that it's obtainable to get him out. And he's obviously in an affluent area where people own small planes. People own their own way. He could easily disappear. Mm -hmm. Like you let him out of prison or not prison. You let him out of jail. I am so irritated. He was also told i watched this part that he cannot have any contact cannot see his kids cannot speak to his kids cannot look upon his children i'm sure he's gonna jog on by them too well they're in new york city with their grandma so oh he's not gonna jog on by then he's gonna go on his fancy vintage bike and ride on by then which i'm pretty oh i don't know if that was one of the things i shared but one of them i think i forgot to talk about was that he put forth a motion to have all of his belongings that were taken from him returned. Like all of the evidence the police took. He's like, I want that back. It's like, you don't get that back. That's not how it works. Get out of here with this. Oh my God, this makes me so mad. God, this makes me so mad. It does. It's it's one of these things where it's like, you're literally watching a rich man that's in debt. Like he's literally Hiram Lodge. Mm-hmm. This is like a real life version of that. What the fuck? I just like I'm watching this like I'm watching all these videos and I'm like, wait a second. How like if this was any other person, if this was like Scott Peterson, he didn't get bail. And the thing is, is like his attorney was like, you can't set it at six million dollars. It's really unfair. It's really high. And like Michelle's lawyer is very like, well, you know, she's been cooperating with the police. And yes, her stories have changed because that's the other thing is like her stories. Like the police haven't said what her stories have changed on. Mm -hmm. I think obviously like when people are guilty. Oh, this is the other thing that I heard on one of the YouTube videos I watched is that they had like a, a scripted alibi. So, you know, Hiram over there was like. We went and saw Kent at 8.03 and we're there until 11 a.m. Like robotic. And then Michelle was like, we arrived at 8.04. Like something like like it was something like that. And they were like, OK, that's not a very scripted and rehearsed. 
Yeah. And I mean, and here's the thing. Like, of course, his lawyer is going to come out and be like, he's innocent. But it's like, why don't you try to show like, you know, this is a really tragic thing. Like this woman is missing. We need to we need to focus on that. Yes, the police are looking into him. But no, it's like I I'm the king of lawyers and I'm going to get him off for killing his wife. And I'm like, people, stop killing your significant others because you want a divorce and get away. You know, I haven't been divorced. No, lots of people have been divorced. Their lives seem to go on. They seem okay. Like for the most part, like it's not the end of the world. Murdering someone is the end of someone's world. Yeah. Jesus Christ. My hopes for this case is that Jennifer, like her remains are found and there's a big note on it that said Fautis did it. Or some kind of evidence that pretty much says that. Since he sounds messy. Right. Like that's what like that's what I mean by that. I want yeah, yeah, yeah. I want something like a full handprint in her blood on like a plastic tarp. Dude, he sounds so cocky and messy. I'm I'm sure if they find her, they will find evidence of who did it. Like he rode up on a bicycle. I can't. This is unreal. Like the bicycle he owns. This whole thing is just sounds so unreal. It's crazy. Yeah. So the theory is that because he obviously seems to stalk her. So Mm -hmm. he knew when she went to drop the kids off that he came during that time and hid in her house and waited for her to get home. And then she pulled into the garage and he attacked her. That makes sense. And then left in her car. Gotcha. So I'm just like, stop killing people. It's mean and also wrong. Just pointing that out there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of wraps it up for me today. Obviously, we will keep you posted. He's supposed to be back in court at the end of the month, you know, or the end of February, I should say. You know, that's if he doesn't skip country or do something stupid like break his probation again like he did last time. Who knows? But we will keep you updated. We will probably do another updates probably after that time. If something crazy happens between now and then, we'll let you know. Yes, yes. So that wraps it up for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's Stabby Snippet, and we will see you on Monday for a full episode. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.